This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Does it snell to you? Because it snells to me. Yeah, tough one. Losing on a, losing on a game winner up to a three-pointer allowed to Tony Snell. A uh, confusing, I would think, a confusing final possession defensively for the Raptors. To describe it, Trey starts coming downhill. The Raptors respond. Kyle, who is initially on Snell, but is the primary help. He shifts over. He closes off the bucket. Trey pivots, turns around. Stan is dropping back into the lane, and he jumps at a pass fake of Young's, but he's still in, I would say, better position than Norm to defend Herder, who made a cut into the middle of the lane, which dragged Norm from the weak side, which he was supposed to be zoning up, down into the paint to chase the, the cutter, who was Herder, and Trey just finds... Snell wide open for a triple. And on top of that, Bembry, I thought, did a really good job. He almost tagged Herder and still was able to deny Gallo, who was probably the most important person to deny in that situation. But a crossed up, yeah, a just mixed signals between one of Stan or Norm. When I see that play, I do blame Norm Powell. But it's it's tough to play defense at the NBA level, especially when a guy like Herder makes such a clever cut to the bucket, but it's, uh, yeah, Norm probably, you have to be able to cover the weak side if you're the farthest man out, and he wasn't. And despite him having just an immense, wonderful offensive game, well, I guess not really down the stretch. It was tough sledding for everybody on the Raptors offensively, but the Raptors had a lot of things go well in this game, but not enough to stave off another loss, and that's a tough one to swallow, especially since... If you can get these wins with OG, Fred, Pascal, McCaw out, they, they're worth their weight in gold. But when you lose like this and you just, man, 24-8 run over the last six minutes, tough pill to swallow. Really, really tough. With such a big mix-up, I'd be interested. I'm sure somebody will ask in Scrum, but I'll, I'm, I'm wondering if one of the players, be it Stan or Norm or Kyle, talk about what the assignment was supposed to be, what their defensive principles would be in that situation. But I guess we'll see. That's that's later on. But yeah, the Raptors, offensively, just fantastic stuff from Norm, 
and Kyle in particular tonight really working a lot of their advantages and hitting them at a really high clip. I guess Paul Watson Jr., Stanley Johnson, they were both bright spots. DeAndre Bembry had a really strange game just because of how he was utilized. And Baines with one of his biggest box score games, a somewhat of a nice bounce back for him as far as pick and roll defense because initially in the game, it was really, really bad. He was just backing under the rim. He was getting sealed. He was getting punished on the defensive glass and he was providing no deterrence to any of the pick and roll offense that the Hawks were getting initially. And that's tough. That's really tough to do with a team that has Trey Young. And when he gets downhill, if he's making the pass, even if the Raptors are recovering that side top side, it's going to come back to bite you. And yes, the, the Raptors, well, the Hawks, they teed off on them in the first half. And that was a big reason why the Raptors were behind initially was because they couldn't stop the Hawks in the pick and roll. They had a much better response in the second half in particular until the very end of the game, but showing a lot higher, forcing the ball out of Trey's hands a little bit earlier and quite a bit earlier sometimes so that the Raptors defense didn't collapse as much before the ball was coming out of Trey's hands. The obvious benefits of that is you're making guys like Kevin Herter or Tony Snell Put the ball on the floor. And while Herder is a pretty good tertiary option, he's obviously not as good at breaking down defenses as Trey Young. And Trey Young still has to work on his off-ball potency. So if you get the ball out of his hands, it's not like Steph Curry running around, coming off of pin downs and stuff like that. It's it's going to be okay. And that's what the Raptors did to great success. That's how they got back into the game. That's how they took a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter was that much better defense in the pick and roll, getting the ball out of Trey's hands. That was really nice to see. But Trey did start to get downhill closer to the end of the fourth quarter. The last six minutes, as I said, the Raptors give up that 24 to eight run. And the Raptors, for their part, on the offensive end, they can't get anything going, really. The the shots aren't falling, far less opportunities in transition. The half court is starting to get mucked up. The paint is packed. And the the three-point shots don't look as open as they did earlier. Manufacturing baskets has started to become a lot more complex. And emptying the the side out for Norman Powell isn't yielding any results. And they're overloading on Lowry. It became very tough to score. That was obviously how the Raptors ended up losing. But obviously, if, if you look at this game, it's tough because of the way that defensive possession went at the end. And then missed free throws as well. Kids make your free throws, shoot free throws to practice. They're really important. Teams will just, teams can just foul you if you don't hit your free throws. And it sucks getting fouled when you can't go to the line and make them. Norman Powell typically does make them. So it's not like a super big deal. But my guy, you got to hit those free throws. You got to make the correct defensive rotations. And then, and then you'll see how things go down the stretch of games. But it's it's a tough look for everybody involved. The Raptors lose a very, very tough one. And yeah, man, tough, tough look. But okay, let's talk positives because the Raptors were very shorthanded. While they did lose the game, a lot of great stuff went on. Norm in transition has still, he remains extremely good in transition. The Red Sea parts for him when, when he's in transition, he 
his hierarchy of decision making is always super, super clean, whether it's getting to the three point line for a shot, a jumper that he hits at a high clip or getting straight to the bucket. That's always good. And in the half court, I liked his decision making. I thought it was really impressive. Even as a passer, some advanced passes were made from Norm. That's something that everybody should like seeing. 33 points on basically like 50, 60, 71 splits. That's more than you could ever ask for from Norm. And he's given, I believe, four 30-plus point performances in the last month. If you're complaining about this man's offensive game, you really shouldn't be. And you should go to RaptorsRepublic.com or just go to Google and type in Norman Powell and the Art of Scoring and read my piece on how he's doing all this. Shameless plug. But among the other positives is Chris Boucher, Kyle Lowry, and I would say Paul Watson and Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson, because he has that, you know, kind of funky low down set shot jumper that is somewhat reminiscent of PJ Tucker, just with a lower release point. And if he can just keep things calm, get rid of a lot of the complications that used to be in his jump shot, less of a hitch, everything is a little bit cleaner. Sure, it makes him more of a spot up guy, but If he's a good spot-up guy going forward, which he was in this game, I liked his performance from downtown, three of five, and two big ones late, then his defensive utility starts to become a lot more tenable because you can insert him into a game and reasonably expect that he can space the floor and not maybe not just from the corner. So that's something to look forward to if that keeps, keeps progressing. I thought he was good. Paul Watson, known as a heat pump in the G League, and the Raptors game last year in the bubble versus the Nuggets. I think he had 26 or 24. But in this game, the biggest positive was his defensive coverage. Long, lithe, pretty good in rotation, and changed a lot of what the Hawks wanted to do when he was on the floor. Closeouts are tight. Rotations are good. Covering a lot of ground and making a difference on that end. Rebounding a little bit too as well. Paul Watson, very, very impressive defensive game. Kyle Lowry... We already know what he does, but his ability to usher people to the basket for points with his hit-aheads or threading the needle in transition or in the half court, he just gives guys easy points, and there is nobody who can replicate that on the Raptors roster. And quite frankly, it's not close. Norm can get himself easy points, and there was that little playmaking bent in his game tonight, but not every night. And Kyle... His ability to involve a lot of the guys on the roster, if he's not there, this team just doesn't function, really. And it's a shame that the Raptors lost this one because even though Kyle shot poorly from the floor, and yes, if he cleans up some of those nine turnovers, perhaps things look a lot better at the end of the game as well. That's, you know, par for the course. You don't want to turn the ball over nine times in a game. But this isn't something Kyle does often. But the 12 assists were still instrumental to a lot of what the Raptors were doing. Kyle, the playmaking, I still think it's a big positive, even with the nine turnovers. You needed somebody push them forward. And and I shouldn't gloss over nine turnovers, right? Because the decision-making has to be better. But again, reverting back to the idea that nobody can replicate the type or even emulate the type of playmaking to the bucket that Kyle provides, you you have to put the ball in his hands, especially if Fred, Pascal, OG aren't in the game. And sometimes teams will walk in a little bit to, uh, not heliocentric, but if one guy is mixing things up, 
they can sit on what he likes to do a little bit more often. He's attacking set defenses more often. It's a little bit easier to pick things off, maybe. And then there's just wires crossing a little bit. That's, you know, leads to turnovers. If it's dealing with Baines, for example, on the roll, stuff like that. But Kyle, overall, I still thought it was a good game. Boucher really came on in the second half as far as the scoring that he provided. But even in the first half, I still thought, even though Baines was putting up his box score numbers, I still thought Boucher was doing the best job. And while there was the aspect of getting bullied on the glass a little bit that came with Capella, and and that's tough. You you don't want to get bullied on the glass too often, and the Raptors perhaps getting bullied on the glass all too often. But I still thought Boucher provided better defensive punch in the first half, and then obviously with what he provided offensively, getting to 29 points, 10 to 15 shooting, just a fantastic release valve for the Raptors' offense, got to the line, and just a really, really impressive performance from him. This is the stuff that if it had happened at the start of the year, we're all freaking out, but he's been so good this year that 29 points is something you kind of look up and say, okay, that's something we can kind of hope to expect from Boucher at times. And he, he just continues to impress. This is just another drop in the bucket for him. He's really, really found out how to leverage his skill set, his size, and his length at the NBA level. I hope he just keeps progressing, whether it's with the Raptors or elsewhere. Keep producing, keep progressing, my guy, because you have a great story, and this is something you deserve. I'm, I'm proud of Chris Boucher, and I think he should be proud of himself, too. It's all very, very impressive, and I love it. So DeAndre Bembry, I think... He had a very interesting start to the game, and then he was really great defensively to close. The start of the game was very, very strange because they had, obviously, with Trey Young, you're going to throw a lot of different looks at him. Ideally, because he reads the game at such a high level, you can switch between blitzing, zoning the weak side, doing lots of... uh, It was very popular on uh, Twitter today, but defensive schemes that include nexting or peeling, all that kind of stuff. You can throw a lot at what... You can throw a lot defensively at Trey Young and reasonably expect if you're changing it up enough that you might be able to stymie him often. The the downhill game of Trey Young really was what gave the Raptors trouble in this one, though. And and the the screens that involved Gallinari, especially, I think, because he has so much gravity popping out above the break. And they they run a, a really clever Stager screen action as well, where Gallinari will set the initial screen. And then they'll run a pin down for him off of that. And it's just, it's not super complex or anything like that. But the Raptors, when you're including Trey Young and Gallinari above the break, that's just a lot of danger. And there's not a lot of room to miss or you just can't be late on any of those actions. And so Gallinari, Trey was very, very tough. But the Raptors initially had DeAndre Bembry guarding basically everything at the point of attack. And they would just use him as a rover if he if they could. So that means that when he would when they would come for screen help for Trey, Bembry would he wouldn't attempt to get around the screen at all. He would switch directly to the screener and then he would try to get off of him. But not in like a scram way. He would just kind of float off to strong side or weak side. And that was with Baines already dropping super low. So that's what I mean. It's just sometimes they just completely blow rotations or switches, or anything of that sort at the point of attack. I think they had eight of them in the first quarter, and that was super confusing because it didn't seem like there was rhyme or reason 
to what Bembry was doing. And I'm sure there was like, they wouldn't just have him freestyling out there, but he was doing a lot of different things, be it like a switch onto John Collins, who ends up taking him in the post or floating on the strong side and the Raptors start zoning up the weak side, or he starts floating out to the weak side and the Raptors blitz the strong side. It was, I, I couldn't tell you what was happening from play by play to play, just that there were, they were changing up a lot and maybe I'll go look at it again and see what was happening and write a piece on it. But there was a lot of different things being thrown at Trey early and Bembry was a big part of it. And it wasn't overly successful, but I guess you try things out to see if it will bear fruit down the road, I suppose. But the Raptors, I mean, it's just a tough game to swallow. They they lose this game because they couldn't contain Trey and the the weak side rotations were less than less than good some of the time. And that's man, you just gotta be able to rotate. You gotta be able to cover guys. And if you dictate help, and that's what Trey Young does, he dictates that you bring help over, you're you're already in a lot of trouble. And that's what stars do. And the Raptors with the guys in tow on the roster tonight. They just didn't have enough, and that's you know tough pill to swallow. But the Raptors, they keep it moving. Hopefully, Pascal, Fred, OG are back soon, and we see what happens from here on out. But the Raptors, with all this COVID stuff going on, the momentum that they had built up has kind of been snuffed out to this point, I think, and it's really unfortunate. But <sighs> All Star break is over. Raptors come back, and they lose a heartbreaker to Tony Snell, Trey Young, and the Atlanta Hawks. But the Reggie Evans Award, I'm very, very pleased to give it to one Mr. Paul Watson Jr. I thought that his defensive hustle deserves quite a bit of credit. And there's a reason that the Raptors were able to hang around in uh, in that game and, and make their run because he was really, really good with his rotations and his court coverage. I thought that was a huge plus. And he had a big three off of a pin down, pin down hero. Uh, Paul Watson Jr. So that that was nice to see. But okay, top quick reaction comment from Swaby04. Quote, can't stand the way that chump Trey Young plays. He's so overrated to me. He's the most ball dominant player in the league. The calls he gets are ridiculous. The guy would be put on clamps if they make the playoffs, end quote. Okay, I think a lot of people, this is something I've talked about on, because I don't talk about Trey Young a lot being, you know, a Raptors analyst, but on my league-wide podcast, I talked about this, and I, I it does bother me that the league rewards these types of fouls. I don't blame Trey Young because Trey Young is taking the rules and winning with them, and maybe not often, but against the Raptors, yes. And he's getting to the line with them. And Steve Nash can say that's not basketball, but as it's currently enforced by the NBA, it is. And until the NBA makes a change in how they officiate it. Trey Young will keep doing this as it is his right to do so. It doesn't mean you have to like Trey Young. That's if you don't like Trey Young, that's fine because you can like or dislike players based on their playing style. Of course, a lot of people love so many players because of the way they play. Like Russell Westbrook fans, they they just love that Tasmanian Devil aspect to his game. And then there's the there's people like Kyle Anderson for that slow, methodical style he plays and. Luka Doncic, who is also, you know, slow and methodical in a lot of ways. So, I mean, hey, if you dislike Trey Young, do your thing. But I think it's more so on the league to curb this type of behavior because 
they're encouraging it currently. And so I think it's on the league to make sure that Trey Young has to adapt because Trey Young is a fiercely talented and a very good player. And he would be so much more fun if he wasn't foul baiting like this. I think that's a fair conversation to have. But would the clamps be on him in the playoffs? I think I think his game is not overly playoff friendly as currently constructed. I think there's guys who do better in the playoffs, like Bradley Beal, for example. He hasn't been in the playoffs in a while, but I'm trying to think of guys who aren't just all-time greats who do better in the playoffs because they have a playoff-friendly game. Bradley Beal is a guy who was much better in the playoffs than the regular season back when he was making the playoffs, I should say. And when I think about Trey Young and his game, I think that there would be some struggles to translate that, the regular season style to the playoffs. But that's that's most heliocentric forces in the NBA. But okay, Swavy04, thanks for writing in. Even though you didn't write in, you just commented on the quick reaction, but I had a fine time reading it. Listener, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.